Hey, redheads and everyone else listening. I'm Stephanie. I'm Adrian, and we're talking about laser hair removal today. We've done a podcast about this many years ago, probably in season one or two, but we get the question almost daily about laser hair removal. And we just recently did an article on howtobearedhead.com that we'll put in the podcast notes about hair removal and the best options for redheads. And of course, laser hair removal is not usually an option for redheads. And we're going to dig deep into that today. Our guest is Matthew Rundle, and he owns four locations in London that just specializes in hair removal. It's called the Mayfair Aesthetics Laser and Skin Clinic. And they've won 12 awards, helped tens of thousands of clients achieve smooth, hair-free skin. And besides laser hair removal, they they offer other skin treatments. And we'll talk to him about some of those because Steph, you really want to get to, um, I know you're probably going to ask him about it, but you really want to get to a clinic or a skin dermatologist and do some cool lasers too. But sometimes redheads just not, we're not able to do a lot. Yeah. I'm more interested in the IPL, intense pulsed light. I've heard Mm. great things about that. Not that I want to get rid of my freckles. I just kind of, I love my freckles, but it just, um, after the summertime, they kind of get darker. So it's a form of a treatment where you can kind of tone them down a little bit while still keeping them. So I'm interested to talk to him about that. And then, Mm. you know, whether or not redheads can get electrolysis, laser hair removal, what's the difference between the two? I think that's just a common question that we get asked is what's better for me, electrolysis or laser hair removal. And you'll be surprised to learn that uh, depending on your hair pigmentation, you might not be able to get hair removal. And we'll go into detail with Matthew about why is that? You know, why can't redheads get laser hair removal? And what are our, our other options? You know, um, prior to having Isla, my daughter, I was always getting Brazilian waxes like every other, every like six to eight weeks, just because that was my only option. I think I've just gotten used to it, but it would be nice to just have everything yeah. lasered, you know, yeah. lasered off. Um, but yeah, so if you're listening and you're you're wondering or maybe have wondered about wanting to get laser hair removal and getting rid of some of your hair, whether it's under your armpits, above your lip, um, down there, you know, it just, it, it's an array of areas that you can get it. It just really comes down to can a redhead get laser hair removal, which, yeah, you I know, think- it's a question... That we've asked ourselves many of times. And Steph, I think most redheads would probably want to get it on their face first. Don't you agree? Like if you could pick one place in your whole body, wouldn't you pick your face? Yeah, I think I would I would do my face. Yeah, definitely. me too. Yeah. If I could under, just pick one place. Underarms takes like 10 seconds. Uh, Sometimes, you know, and I have a really good razor. I think that's the trick, right? Is to find a razor. Like I use a nickel-free razor. Um and I really don't get any bumps. Like I used to get really bad bumps under in the backs of my legs from shaving. So I think it's just once you find your, ra- your, your razor, whether you use shaving cream or not, and then your technique, you kind of can, for me personally, speaking from a sp- experience, you can really blow through shaving. You know, yeah. legs are annoying, but armpits takes like 10 seconds for me personally. And I really have to do it every day or else I get like little stubbles. How about you? Oh yeah. I have to shave every day. I I hate it, but I do it because it makes me feel so good. And sometimes like I I really, I shower at all different points of the day. Now I used to like only do night and I do prefer night, but sometimes I, I shower in the mornings or whatever it is. But if I'm in the shower, like at nighttime, like before dinner, 
I'm like, oh, I should just shave my legs because I'll feel so good tonight. Like it'll just like feel so good. But I do think about the people who just get lasered from head to toe. And I actually remember in college, I was having this conversation with like four of my roommates and we're all sitting at the kitchen table. And we were talking about, they all wanted to get laser on their whole body from head to toe. And I knew that that wasn't an option for me because my skin is so white, right? Like, I yeah, my, now yeah. my skin is so white. My hair is so white. Like, literally, the hair that comes out is not even blonde. It's, like, white. So, um, yeah, I just remember them saying, like, do you think you'll regret it? Like, if you get everything lasered off, like, do you regret it? And I remember just being like, I can't even think about it because it's not an option for me <laughs> to do it. Yeah. But I think a lot of people in their early 20s do it. And I don't know, maybe maybe you do want hair? I don't know. I don't know. But I don't think people are really regretting it. I feel like it's, well, there it's is a, a personal whole movement. choice. I think there is a whole movement about not shaving your armpits oh, in, yeah. your hair, in your oh, legs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, own that. You, whatever makes you feel good. I think it just is a personal preference when it comes down to it. Personally, I like to be... I like the feeling of being shaved and then putting lotion on after and... There's nothing like then getting into your like oh, nice your pajamas, yeah. clean sheets in your pajamas. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, it just feels good. So, so yeah, this episode, stay tuned because we will be calling Matthew. All and the way getting, from London. I know, which is super cool just to kind of just get his take on, you know, can redheads get laser is going to be our first question. And then we'll go into detail about so many other questions that we have to ask him. So let's give him a call. Redheads, have you heard? We added our first hair care product to the How to Be a Redhead beauty line. It's called Finely Glossy and it's a shine and luminosity shampoo for redheads. Like all of our products, it's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. Give luminosity and radiance to your red hair without color depositing. Redheads, we can now rejoice. Finally, there are products for us. Shop Finely Glossy and our line of brow and mascara products. Finally have brows and finally have lashes at shop.howtobearedhead.com. Hi, Matthew. It's Stephanie and Adrian from the How to Be a Redhead podcast. How are you doing? Hi, I'm really well today. Thank you very much. So let's dive. Yeah, we're doing wonderful. Well, we we're are. super excited to talk about laser hair removal. It's a really hot topic within the redhead community. So we want to get right into it. For listeners that maybe aren't familiar with laser hair removal, what is it? And we have to start it off with, will it work for redheads? So what laser hair removal is basically uh, using laser energy, which is uh, light and heat, uh, to get rid of unwanted hair. Now, the way this works is the light energy is directed into each individual hair and it heats up the melanin within each individual hair. Um, That melanin uh, gets hotter and hotter and hotter. The heat travels down the hair shaft, and then it damages the bulb, bulge, and vascular supply, which are the three structures that actually make hair. So that all sounds very technical. Um, What it basically means is the laser technician would uh, zap your skin, um, and the heat travels down to the root of the hair, and then the hair will stop growing. Now, The problem with red hair is there are two different types of melanin that exist in everyone's uh, hair. So your melanin is a mixture of black and brown pigmentation. And then pheomelanin is red pigmentation. Now, laser hair removal is going to interact with black and brown uh, pigmentation within each hair. Um, So it will heat up those individual hairs that contain your melanin. 
But unfortunately, laser hair removal does not heat up pheomelanin. So it won't work mm. on hair that's exclusively made up of pheomelanin. But uh, people with darker red hair can either have a mixture of eumelanin and pheomelanin within their hair, in which case the laser is going to have some effect on them. It is going to be able to heat up the hair follicle, probably not to the same extent as it would happen with uh, someone who's got brown or black hair. Uh, but we in my clinics in London are treating quite a few people with darker red hair. Um, and we've seen some good results for them. Hmm. Um, if anyone turns up with sort of sort of a lighter shade of red hair, um, we tend not to uh, try to waste their time or our time and say, listen, it's not going to be a, a decent treatment for you. It won't work. And we point them in the direction of things like electrolysis in that case. Okay, so that's our next question. So a redhead can get electrolysis. And what, what exactly is that? So electrolysis is much slower. It's much older technology. So rather than being able to treat sort of larger areas at once, which is what laser hair removal does, um, electrolysis works by using either a needle or um, some tweezers, which an electric current is passed through. The electric current passes down a single hair individually down to the root, and the electricity generates heat or damages the base of the hair follicle using electricity. So this is not reliant on the eumelanin in the hair. Mm. So red hair, it will work for that. It will also work for white hair, which is also not affected by laser hair removal because it contains no pigmentation at all. So uh, for clients who have white hair that they're looking to get rid of, or sort of paler shades of red hair, electrolysis is pretty much the only option for sort of a long-term uh, result. You can obviously still go for things like waxing, plucking, shaving, threading, etc. Anyone can do those. But if you're looking for a long-term result, mm -hmm. then electrolysis for lighter redheads, but laser hair removal may be good for um, darker redheads. So some people with a darker red hair, it might be that they have a mixture of brown pigmentation and red pigmentation, in which mm. case it might work. But they may, some people with a darker red hair may just have very, very high concentrations of red pigmentation in their hair, in which case it won't work, unfortunately. So what mm. we okay. do in these cases, uh, when we have a client uh, coming to see us who has darker red hair, we spend uh, quite a bit more time doing the patch test. So rather than just a very quick patch test to make sure there isn't a skin uh, reaction, we really go um, to the extent of a small patch of each area the customer would like to treat. We would um, actually do a full treatment on that small patch. And what we say to them is go away for six weeks. If you see any reduction in hair growth or any change in the hair growth in that patch after those six weeks, then... Yeah, we might be able to get you a good result. Now, typically, um, anyone with sort of like brown or black hair, we would start treatment two days later because the vast majority of people with brown or black hair, it's going to work very well for. Uh, but with dark red hair, it's a slightly slower process. We say, go away for six weeks. If it's a change in your hair growth in the areas that we've patch tested, because obviously the person could look at, for example, if we're patch testing on an arm, they can see that patch on the arm. If any hair has grown back there, as compared to the other areas on the arm. So um, if it has, then yeah, let's go for it. So how, if, um, if someone's listening, how would you define someone as having dark red hair? I just want to kind of clarify that because someone might be looking at their arm right now and saying, like, I'm looking at mine and mine's 
brown. I mean, mine's uh, blonde, Adrian, yours too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but my hair, but my hair is sometimes considered dark red, but like I don't think that I'd be considered because like my. So yeah, what is considered dark redhead in your t- in so your terms? Sort of more sort of like the auburn shades, so the darker uh, red shades. Okay. So also we also treat clients who, um, for example, may have brown hair or black hair on their head. Uh, you quite often see guys who have got sort of like dark hair on the head, but they may have a red beard. Yeah. Um, particularly with um, clients who are sort of like of Irish descent, there tends to be a lot of red pigment, but also a lot of black pigment there. So a lot of clients mm. who may appear to just have black hair, um, if you do actually get that hair and look at it under a microscope, it's a mixture of red pigment and black pigment. So we sometimes find that clients who look like they've got just very dark brown or black hair, it is in fact a high concentration of red pigment mixed with um, a brown and black pigment. It makes it look very dark, but because it's mostly made up of red pigment, they don't get a great result either. So you can't even do red pigment. So red pigment doesn't work at all. Oh. The brown and the black pigment, and that's what laser is going to heat up. That's what laser will affect. And it's okay. really, it's really with for redheads too, who are olive skin toned is what I'm thinking too. Like if you're like, when you say a darker redhead, I think too, like their skin is also darker. They might even be able to tan. And that mm-hmm. is a probably a good indication that you can do laser. Um, it's really, it's all about the, the hair color, the skin mm-hmm. color can make an effect. So modern lasers oh. um, are able to bypass the melanin in the skin and just heat up the melanin in the hair follicles. So if those okay. hair follicles don't contain any brown or black pigmentation, then laser won't do anything. And then it's, you know, electrolysis and other options for them. Do you think okay. that, that science is going to advance so that it can pick up, you know, really well, light hair? Do you think so? Possibly. Um, so lasers have developed massively over the last 10 years or so. I've been working with lasers personally for over 15 years and lasers became safer, less painful, and they really became a treatment that's now pretty much available on most high streets, you know, in any sort of uh, developed town. I I reached out to uh, the manufacturers of the lasers that we work with and asked them, is there anything in development to treat redhead at the moment? And got a no, unfortunately. So maybe at some point in the future, but um, uh, at the moment with the manufacturer I'm working with, uh, there isn't, that is on the agenda at the moment, no. Mm. Well, maybe one, we're we're hopeful maybe one day. Yeah, (laughs) we're hopeful. One one treatment I did hear about uh, is ultrasound hair removal, which is using sound waves to generate. Oh, that's um, interesting. That's I cool. I read an article about that a long time ago, and I've never actually seen it being offered um, in any clinic. So I don't know if that is a treatment that sort of became popular anywhere because I've, I've never ever seen it advertised since I read an article about it a long time ago. But from what I read, and this is going back a couple of years, it was suitable to treat white hair, red hair, etc. because it's using sound to generate heat mm. rather than light to generate heat. So that's um, interesting. That maybe yeah. that's uh, useful for uh, your listeners. Yeah. That's yeah, really definitely. Cool. So now I'm really excited to ask you about IPL because it's something that I'm interested in getting done um, where I live. So for our listeners, it's IPL is intense pulsed light. So can you share with us a little bit about what that is and 
who would be a good candidate for. Um, I'm kind of new to it, but it's something that I, I'm getting, I think, in the next month or so, hopefully. What, what um, service or what concern are you using IPL for? So I have obviously a lot of freckles on my face and I, do, I love them. But I think as I've gotten older, they've gotten darker so the place where I go, where I live, recommended IPL, and they recommended three sessions. Um, yeah, and they said it's kind of like little coffee flakes after. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So what yeah. IPL is, is it's using light, um, and the light that's used in IPL is not as carefully targeted as it is in a laser. Um, okay. So- It's a broad spectrum of light, anything from 500 to 1200 nanometers. Um, Now, spectrums of light, there's different types of lasers that you use in different laser treatments. You have typically alexandrite, uh, which is 755 nanometers, um, diode, which is 810 nanometers, and ND-YAG, which is 1064 nanometers. So those are the three main types of laser hair removal wavelengths that are in use around the world. Okay. Each one of those different numbers is a different penetration level. Um, so, and typically the finer hair you have will sit more shallowly into the skin. The thicker hair will sit more deeply into the skin. So having lasers that will use all three wavelengths are going to be more effective on a wider range of different types of hair. So, for example, your sort of bikini hair is quite deeply sitting into the skin, whereas hair mm. on, say, the arms is going to sit quite shallowly into the skin. So... Um, IPL uses anything from 500 to 1,200 nanometers. So it's, it's kind of a scattering of light that uses pulses. Now, this is directed more often with IPL. It's used for skin conditions such as thread veins, uh, pigmentation, sun damage, mm. freckles, that sort of thing. So we offer this as a treatment uh, within my clinics. We use um, an ellipse IPL system there. Um, it's great for conditions such as rosacea, redness in the skin. Mm. Um, so this may be obviously of interest to your reader, uh, so your listeners as well. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it can be quite painful, IPL. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Um, depending on, um, obviously, there's going to be a cooling system employed. Um, the clinic may use numbing creams, something like that. It really depends on the uh, treatment oh. that you're having, and obviously the therapist and you know the settings that they're using and what you're trying to achieve so uh, but it tends to be very very effective I've um, seen many many clients who have for example a lot of redness on the skin Uh, a good friend of mine came in and he was pretty much he always had a red face he had two treatments with IPL and I would say he had about an 80% reduction in the redness that's amazing wow Oh my God, it's life changing. I, I felt like. Yeah. Yeah. I deal with so much redness yeah. on my skin. It's such a redhead thing to have like really red skin, like permanent red skin. It's not just from like a sunburn. So I told, like, just to be able to not have redness would be so awesome, especially if you suffer from rosacea, because there isn't a cure for rosacea. So to be able to yeah. have that treatment. Rosacea is, is a condition, there, there's lots of things you can do to reduce the symptoms. Um, I wrote an article on my website a few months ago. So there are a lot of uh, dietary changes you can make that can mm. be really beneficial for that. IPL is a great treatment to address that as well. There are also a lot of products as well out there that are going to reduce redness. Uh, sort of um, a combined approach with diet products and treatments 
can have a massive effect um, on people's skin and it can be utterly, utterly life-changing. So obviously yeah. I, I own yeah. pain of clinics when we do hair removal yeah. and skin treatments. So um, day in, day out, I see people whose you know, lives are changed by uh, the sort of right. treatment we offer and, and clinics around the world offer. Right. So these treatments that we're talking about, if um, a redhead comes in and they have sensitive skin tied along with the redness and the rosacea, um, before a redhead goes in for any of these treatments, um, do you recommend that they do anything post, you know, facial or peel or whatever, laser, um, IPL or anything? Are there any certain things that you recommend that maybe will help if... Um, every do. single treatment or every single clinic is, you know, if someone has a more sensitive skin, we would always recommend a patch test. Now, for things like okay. IPL and laser hair removal, um, in the UK anyway, a patch test is absolutely mandatory. It's, it's a requirement by UK oh. law. Oh, um, oh it so, is. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Do you know um, if it's like that in the US? I don't know about in the US, but in the UK. Okay. Probably not. We, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I have no idea. <laughs> it's what... Well, Patch test is there to obviously work out the best settings that are going to be used on the ongoing treatment, whether it's with IPL or with laser hair removal. Um, it's also for the uh, patient to experience how the treatment is going to feel. So if someone with sensitive skin are worried about sort of like the pain levels or the discomfort levels, they can obviously experience the treatment in a, a reduced way in um, the patch test. And um, the lasers that we use for laser hair removal, Soprano lasers, they work by gradually increasing heat within the skin rather than old-fashioned traditional lasers, which use single high-intensity shots, and they feel like being repeatedly flicked with an elastic band or jabbed with a needle. So um, they're considerably more painful. So we see a lot of clients with more sensitive skin um, because this laser is a lot less harsh on the skin than traditional shot-based lasers. So, Gotcha, um, Okay. Patch test is, is super, super necessary. So it said, um, it's also for things like insurance. Um, if you go ahead with a treatment without first patch testing someone and something goes wrong, then say goodbye to your insurance because it's not going to cover you. So um, mm. oh. any, any reputable clinic is going to patch test first, make sure the client fills okay. in a really in-depth medical form. There's various medications and medical conditions that might preclude someone from having uh, these types of treatments because these are medical-grade treatments. They're not just going in and getting your nails painted. These are medical-grade treatments that can have a really massive effect on your skin. And, you know, they've got to be done safely and effectively by a thoroughly trained, experienced, insured, and competent practitioner who knows what they're doing to give you the best Mm. results that's nice that it's covered by some insurances in the UK. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, uh, well, mine is not covered, I don't think. Definitely not. Yeah. No, I, I mean the clinic insurance. So, um, so oh, clinic, oh, clinic insurance, not the, client insurance. Yeah. Gotcha. Which there are some um, some clients who come to us who are having their treatments funded by their um, private health insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see clients who have uh, just like hirsutism, which is a very large amount of hair, um, polycystic ovary syndrome, known as PCOS. Yes, okay. That results in a lot of excess hair growth as well. Right. So we, oh, we wow. do have a few clients whose treatment are being funded by their private medical insurance, yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. I can see in those circumstances that Definitely. They, yeah, wow, mm-hmm. wow. I didn't even think about that. For just sort of cosmetic treatments, but, um, you know, I, I obviously can't 
you know, go into great details, but we see a lot of clients who, you know, we have uh, a, a couple of ladies or sisters who've been to other clinics before us and had sort of like 20 full body and face sessions and saw very little reduction. They've been to us and they've had a lot of sessions, but they're down to now sort of like 80, 90% hair reduction. Um, wow. And they're delighted. Oh. So, you know, they are, you know, they've struggled with um, her studentism their entire life. So we're really happy yeah. to help them and, and change their life in that way. Really? Yeah, it is life-changing for a lot of clients. So that's amazing mm. that you know that you're changing lives in a way. Um, Stephanie, so there, Stephanie also talks a lot about how she has a hairy face and a hairy. Yeah, yeah. but I can't. I can't get anything. Sounds like so. So um, well, I don't know what my, my or, or um, waxing is. Is your only other electrolysis option. stuff? Yeah. Mm. I could do electrolysis. I like um, dermaplaning. Does work, but it's one of those things where you get it done, whether. You know, you use a tool at home, or but then a couple of days later, it just grows back. So it's kind Remember of cleaning is is essentially all it is doing is is shaving, removing yeah. the face. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's shaving. It's getting rid of uh, the surface layer of skin, um, and at the same time, getting rid of any hair that's there. But it's, it's all it's doing is is just shaving off. Shaving off. So I guess I should get electrolysis on my face if I have a if hair on my face is bothering me, it's right? Something. What we say to customers is. On a scale of one to ten, how much is it bothering any of you? If it is a six or more, then let's look for a long-term solution. If it's oh. a problem, then you know don't 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 waste your time because it okay. can be time-consuming uh, process to get it done. But once it's done, you can. A lot of clients are going to see results that are going to last for years and years and years. I personally have done laser hair removal myself, and I, I used to be almost as hairy as a gorilla, is what I would say. <laughs> Wow! It would grow out and out and out, and it would be a great big bush of chest hair. And I now you had it on your chest. Wow! (gasps) I have as much hair on my chest as I did when I was about twelve. So I've had a good eighty, ninety percent reduction in hair, and I've gone from feeling sort of like freakishly hairy to I have a normal amount of hair on my chest now as a man, and I'm quite happy with that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So can you? Quickly tell us to say Stephanie wanted to go get electrolysis, right? She's a redhead. She has stuff. I would say it's peach fuzz, right? That grows in pretty quickly. And Mm. she wants to go get electrolysis. I'm sure someone listening is like, I want to do it. It's over. It's a seven to eight for me as a problem. Maybe a 10. I hate it. What does Mm. it look like? How long will it take her to to actually see a reduction? And I know you said it's time consuming. It'll really vary from person to person. And uh, okay. the way electrolysis works is each individual hair is treated. So they either grab each individual hair with uh, tweezers or stick a needle into the root of each hair. Oh. And then oh. there's a zap of electricity. So with laser, you know, treating the chin will take two or three minutes to treat the chin, the whole chin area for electrolysis. This may be half an hour or an hour. I'm not entirely oh. sure. It's not a treatment we offer at the moment. Mm. Um each one of those individual zaps is going to be a small electric shock for you. Wow. So, I, think I'm, I think I'm fine just shaving my face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that so, sounds so painful. I'm, I'm, I'm like a four with it bothering me um, because it's so quick. And I, I just go, nah, don't, don't worry about it, really. So, yeah. 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 And, I, and I, I have it pretty maintained and I know the tools, but I'm definitely going to get 
IPL. Um, I did want to ask a random question. Can you get IPL if you're um, breastfeeding? Um, possibly. No, there doesn't. Oh. There's really a an increase in risk when you are breastfeeding. But what tends to happen is, is when you are either pregnant or breastfeeding, is your hormones are going to be in a completely different state than the normal state that they're in. Now, this may result okay. in changes to your skin. It often results in changes to hair growth. Um, a lot of uh, women, when they get pregnant, they may find that their hair growth patterns on their body, um, the hair might get more, might get thicker, might get darker. It might get less. Some ladies have less hair when they're pregnant. Then right, when the right. Baby arrives, that all may change. It may reverse or it may get worse. Um, and then when breastfeeding ends, and then a couple of weeks later, as, as you know, hormones are starting to get back to sort of normal uh, pre pregnancy levels, hair growth patterns may change again. So, interesting. Is, okay. You're not at any higher risk during pregnancy. Obviously, um, there is no one who would be doing any sort of like treatments on the breast area if someone is breastfeeding. Um, right, right. Not under any higher risk, but, um, you know, you may do all these treatments, then you may find that the hair might just disappear on its own when you finish breastfeeding anyway. Wow, so that's interesting. Yeah. I usually recommend to clients to, you know, it's it's not possible to do laser hair removal while pregnant. There's no actual risk to the baby. Laser hair removal is going to penetrate into the skin at most um, under a centimeter. So the baby is much further inside. Now, the issue is there's no uh, insurance in the world that's going to cover that clinic to do any treatments on someone who's pregnant because if something right. does go wrong, right. fingers are going to be pointed at the laser hair removal, whether it's true or mm-hmm. not. So, um, so it's it's uh, we see clients sometimes who are having a laser hair removal treatment and then they find out a few days later, oh, my God, I'm pregnant, and they ring us in a mad panic and we have to reassure them it's absolutely fine. You know, the, the laser energy is only penetrating into the outer layers of your skin. There's no danger to the baby at all, but we do have to pause treatment until, you know, after the baby's here. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Just curious. Um, and then what do you, what's your take on, um, at home laser hair removal devices? I know that it's kind of become popular. Yeah. We've yeah. seen it, um, written a lot on certain beauty websites so as consumers how can we evaluate like whether they work and you being a professional do you even recommend them um so because we, we see there's a lot so of many them, yeah there's there's a lot of them out there um the mm-hmm, power levels are. that they are putting out are way lower than sort of the equipment that's available in it's not surprising yeah so, um you can buy a, a home laser hair removal kit for if we're talking in dollars, I think a couple of hundred dollars or something. Um, the lasers that we use are uh, sort of 80,000 pounds, which is, you know, $100,000 or more. So this oh, is wow. a, series, okay. a class four medical laser is what we're using. Okay. So this is a serious piece of equipment that's going to have, you know, a it's FDA approved in the US. So it's been tested and it's been you know, shown to work and be safe and effective and all of those things, all the hoops that they have to jump through in order to have, you know, a piece right. of, you know, get FDA approval in the US. Now, I'm sure the home kits are have FDA approval, but a lot of people are buying things that are coming from Korea. No, there's nothing wrong with Korean skincare, yeah. but um, there's... Uh, you can buy a laser to use in a clinic for you know two thousand dollars that comes over from you know China. Um, no offense to anyone, but I get emails on an 
absolutely daily basis offering me factory lasers, best price factory lasers. And I go, no, thank you. I'm going to use the market leading laser that's, you know, properly maintained and I know that works and I know it's got FDA approval and all that sort of stuff. Now, home kits, they tend to be much, much lower power, obviously. That's um, not surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's really no comparison, I think. You want to yeah, go to a professional. When you're going into a clinic, you're doing it you know, six weeks, every six weeks for when you're treating your body, every four weeks for treating your face. So when you come in for your treatment, you're booking in your next appointment. It's super important that you're doing the treatments really, really religiously at the correct times. These units, you know, if they go into your eyes um, unprotected, it could blind you or could damage your eyes. It could damage your children's eyes. It could damage your pet's eyes. Um, so it's really important that if you are using a home kit to do it behind a locked door so no one's going to come in and you know get eye damage, you should be wearing protective goggles when you're doing it as well. You've also got to be careful of mirrors because you know the laser energy can you know shine into a mirror, then reflect and hit you in the eye as well, which could damage your eye. My so we gosh. want to get rid of the unwanted okay. hair, but you don't want to end up with eye damage from it as well. So and I think also, just going to a professional is yeah is really well, the way the way to go. Old adage we say in the UK: you get what you pay for. So you know you pay a hundred dollars to get something. Is that going to be as effective as going to a professional who does this treatment all day every day and sees many many clients and knows all the safety protocols and knows how to do it properly. So there's also, in terms of like the home kits, there's also a safety issue. So um, mm. some clients are going to think, okay, if I do it more and more and more, this is going to be more effective for me. And they end up with burnt skin as well. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Do you have people who come in who say, oh, I've had an issue with an at-home we very and- rarely see people who've, we occasionally we see people who use an at-home kit and, um, because I'll do the consultations quite often. And um, I've said, so how did it work for you? It said, oh, a bit of a reduction. That's why I'm here. So mm, <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. Think about the home kits. So you may reduce the hair a little bit, but there's, you know, there's risks there. And, you know, get a professional to do it. I yes, would say I, that because I own clinics, but... Um, I, no, I no, I think we're advocating that as well for listeners to do their research depending on where they live and see maybe... You know, when I'm picking a professional, whether an esthetician or just anything on my face, I'm looking at their reviews online, maybe word of mouth. I'm seeing their Instagram. I'm calling them. And Mm. then your patch test. um, Doing a consultation, too, is really great. That's how my esthetician recommended IPL because I went in for a consultation um, when I was getting a hydrofacial months ago. So, so yes, I think that's all great tips and just going to someone really reputable is important. And now, so shifting gears a little bit, Matthew, um, we wanted to wrap up this interview talking about semi-permanent makeup. It's something that we really have never talked about, Adrian. I don't think Mm -mm. ever, um, not even really on our website, which is surprising with a topic like this, but your clinic offers semi-permanent makeup. What is this procedure like and um, how could a redhead who's listening benefit from it? So this is basically tattooing, uh, but it's not tattooing as Mm. deeply as sort of a picture tattoo would be. So the areas that can be treated can be eyebrows are the ones that probably the most um, uh, popular treatment. Um, So for people who have very, very pale brows, you can Mm. draw individual hairs into the brow to like define the brows so you're not constantly having to pencil in your brows 
Um, a lot of ladies, particularly older ladies, who may have been a little tweezer happy in their youth. Right. Yeah, yeah. Very, We're all very, guilty of that. <laughs> very sparse brows. Um, so rather than having to wake up and, and looking a little bit clownish every single day, no offense to anyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just having your, your brows on, basically. You can also do things like uh, eyeliner, lip liner, full lip color. Um, yes, I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, there's also um, sort of medical uh, semi-permanent makeup, which can be uh, scar coverage, um, disguising mm. things like vitiligo. Um, I used to manage a clinic uh, in London uh, many years ago, and we had a semi-permanent makeup specialist there. And her speciality was helping burn victims. Um, mm. So we used to have a lady who came into the clinic uh, who was... Uh, wow. I don't want to offend or upset anyone, but she was uh, from Africa and in um, a war, she had a lot of extensive burns. So she had a lot of pink and red patches on her skin where the skin had healed, but there was no longer any pigment there. So she used to come in uh, every few months and have tattooing um, on those areas. And the difference to this, and she was a wonderful lady, one of the nicest, kindest, loveliest ladies. And it broke my heart that anyone could possibly do something so horrible to her. Uh, But she was, her life was utterly changed by the treatment. So it's it's, it's not just vanity. You know, a lot of these treatments can be there for people who have more extreme needs that can really um, take them back to being able to live a normal life and not be constantly worried about a particular part of their appearance. So... Um, it's it's you know it's reaching out and it's helping people rather than just making people pretty in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's building confidence. And I don't think a lot yeah. of people realize that after talking with you, you know, your profession. I think that mm-hmm. it's something where you're really changing lives and, like I just said, building confidence and really making an impact on people's lives. Yeah. Mm. And Matthew, I know we we spoke before we called you and we know we explained to our audience that you have won, you know, 12 awards. You've had 10,000 clients plus um, you have, you own four locations in London. But how long have you been doing this? Um, so I've been in the um, hair and beauty industry since the age of 21 and I'm 49 now. So that's what, 28 years um, so, right. uh, so a long time, a long um, time, long time. So I've been working with lasers and IPL for about 15 years now. So, mm-hmm. uh, there's very little that I've not seen, um, right. in that time. Yeah, so I've had my my own company now for um, six and a half years. But prior to that, I was managing salons and spas and clinics for other people. Um, I worked for Tony and Guy for many years. I also worked mm. for Aveda Oh, great! Yeah, as well. So I, I used to manage the yeah. uh, the Tony and Guy salon, which was right on Regent Street, uh, the main shopping street in the centre of London. And we had something like 40 hairdressers working there. So that was a crazy, crazy business. Yeah. <laughs> crazy um, environment. Yeah. <laughs> left there and I went to work for Aveda and I opened a, an Aveda salon in Chelsea, which is uh, one of the most high end, really, really lovely parts of London. Um, and a very different pace there. I, I just had about seven or eight hairdressers there rather than 40. Um, and we were, you know, it's beautiful, organic Aveda products. We had Aveda uh, Beauty as well. So we had a spa uh, in the salon and it was a very different pace of life. Um, so yeah. in the last, you know, sort of 
oh, I'd say seven, eight years, laser technology has got so much better and better and better to the point where it's much safer, um, much more effective and much less painful now. So it's one of the treatments that's really, really exploded over the last few years. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, you know, the saying like, that's who you want to fly the plane. Like if you like when I see a pilot who's had 30 plus years, I'm like, great, that's who I want to fly the plane. Like, I want you to be doing my laser, you know, or like your or like, you know, the place that you own, like, I want someone like you. And I think this is such a great example of who anyone's if anyone's looking for a laser person they need to find someone like you because you know you're professional you're knowledgeable um like i said you have you have insurance like i think people would be surprised by how unprofessional some of these places are and when you're getting something done like laser hair removal or electrolysis or any anything of the matter that we've talked about permanent makeup yeah it's so important to have someone like you it's really um, uh, not all clinics are the same. So in uh, all of these laws are in place. So, so all clinics should be sort of like sticking to these laws. But um, when I'm recruiting um, for staff, for example, I'll get CVs coming in from uh, people that are doing laser hair removal at other clinics, mm-hmm. naming no names. Um, and wow. I'll send them a message saying, okay, can I have your uh, certificates for, you need an equivalent of an NVQ level four, which is your uh, sort of certificate for laser safety and laser general knowledge. And then you would also need a certificate um, from the actual manufacturer of the particular laser that you've been using, um, showing that you've done a course with the safe operation of that particular laser. Now, all of my staff have that, obviously. I'm not going to let anyone work for me who doesn't have all of that and we um anyone who's been working with a different laser we will send them to a, a manufacturer's course before they can start work with us and then they go through a training program with us to make sure they are absolutely perfect now i've had cvs from people who um uh, have been doing laser full-time at another clinic and i'll ask them for their certificates and they say oh the girls in the salon show me how to do it and i go and yeah yeah and that's the end of, of that person's interview process at that point. So you know, not everyone yeah, is yeah. sticking to the rules uh, is what I'm saying there. So it's really important yeah. to find someone that is doing things properly and really right. making sure the safety protocols are followed, but also making sure that the treatment is done properly so you get good results. So we have clients, for example, that may be doing a full body laser hair removal treatment, and we spend three hours or so to do that. And they've been doing this elsewhere at a different clinic and uh, it's not worked for them. And we ask a few questions to try to work out why it hasn't worked. And usually we find out that the treatment has been done in half an hour. Which is uh-huh, not Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. 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 Are, yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, there, there are a, a lot of great clinics, but there's a lot of dodgy clinics out there as well. Right. So, so do your research listeners. And, no, and, and I also yeah. want to say too, what I've learned is I know people, I, I want to say, I think in the last five to t- 10 years, maybe before that reviews were something that you could look to and really, I think, get a good pulse on if it's a good place or not. And I think sometimes too, it doesn't hurt to look through, but I think a lot of people too are like paying for reviews. And, you know, I think that you have to really like be knowledgeable. Like you have to, you know, 
mm. you know, like I think that there's red flags to like any situation, like you said, like you always recommend a consultation, you know, like you're not so eager to get the client to spend their money because you're like, at the end of the day, I want you to just be happy with the results and it's safe and it's a great procedure. But I'm sure a lot of salons are like, let's just do it right now in 30 minutes. And like, they're not. That's, that's the thing is as well, that there are, uh, there's things like uh, medications, things like antibiotics can make your skin more sensitive to light and heat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the condition like vitiligo is a complete barrier to laser hair removal. Laser can cause uh, vitiligo to spread. It can cause new patches of vitiligo. Mm. So that's not something obviously you want to do. Um, just this week, um, I had a client book in for a patch test uh, with us. We send them out the medical form to fill in like three days before their appointment. And we check those forms the day before. Obviously, I saw that vitiligo had been mentioned on the form. So I called her up to cancel the appointment and say, listen, we can't do that. It's This is the risks. Um, and she says, well, I'm having laser in another clinic. They know I've got vitiligo and I've not had any problems. And I've said, well, that clinic is not following the safety protocols that are there. Mm. And they could have caused you a lot more vitiligo patches on your skin. Oh. So, yeah. So yeah. some clinics just take the money and go, oh, it'll be fine. But, mm-hmm. you know. There is an increased risk. If you step outside the safety protocols, this is when things go wrong. So if you stick to the safety protocols, you're going to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Matthew, for everything. You know, this has been really enlightening and learning so much. And I think it just... You know, we wish we could get laser, but hopefully, like we said earlier on this podcast, when we talked about hopefully technology changes, right, Adrian? Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Redheads, have you heard? We added our first hair care product to the How to Be a Redhead beauty line. It's called Finely Glossy, and it's a shine and luminosity shampoo for redheads. Like all of our products, it's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. Give luminosity and radiance to your red hair without color depositing. Redheads, we can now rejoice. Finally, there are products for us. Shop Finely Glossy and our line of brow and mascara products. Finally have brows and finally have lashes at shop.howtobearedhead.com. I thought he was super informative and... Mm -hmm. Really, was, really yeah. knew his stuff. And I was really surprised because we were kind of jumping around from topics like lasers, and we were going to like peels, and we were talking about skin and sensitive skin and redhead skin. And he knew everything. Like, I was just kind of like, wow, he is the guy to talk to when it comes to laser because, yeah, there's a lot of redheads he- in the UK too. Yeah, totally. And then it really comes down to your hair pigmentation is what I took from talking to him. And I think it's important to find someone, if you can get laser, finding someone that's really reputable in your area because it is your skin. So definitely check out their Instagram, you know, see their work and their reviews, especially. And then a consultation for them to see because I've gathered from talking to him too. There's so many different redheads and so many different skin tones and hair pigmentation. So it really comes down to your hair pigmentation. So if you're interested in it, definitely just find someone that's really reputable in your area, get that consultation, consultation, see if you can get it. But it sounds like, you know, unfortunately redheads, most redheads can't, but there's so many different other options out there. And And yeah, I think that, you know, maybe technology will change later down the road. And before we actually started recording with Matthew, I asked ChatGDP. Steph, do you use ChatGDP? 
Oh my gosh, no. Oh, okay. Well, I asked it, like, can redheads have laser? And it said, right now, most redheads cannot get laser, but lasers are becoming more advanced that the hope is redheads will be able to have laser down the road with no problem. And I think we touched upon that with Matthew a little bit. But like, he was kind of like, oh, I don't know, like, it it is going to get better, but it's probably going to take some time. But Chat GDP says that we might be able to get laser someday. <laughs> so, oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> so, you never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Maybe, maybe we will. So, now, guys, it's time for question and answers. Daily, we get an array of questions from social media, comments, emails, and DMs. And of course, if you've listened to our podcast this season, you know that we love to answer them at the end of every interview. So we will be answering three that we received recently on social. And if you have any questions that you want to ask us, DM us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, or you can email us at h2barpodcast at gmail.com. So let's get right into it. The first one is from Alicia on Instagram. She DM'd us asking, I deal with an a lot of daily constant pain. Can you explain again how redheads feel pain differently? Which is a whole episode that we did, right, Adrian, on pain? Yeah, yeah. It has to do with our MC1R receptor and how we feel pain is different than what other people feel. So sometimes, and we're going to put all of these links into the podcast notes because it's a lot. But And Mm. we'll even put in the most recent episode we did with uh, a PhD doctor who explains why we might feel more pain. Right. But it really has to do with our MC1R receptor. And sometimes we feel more pain and sometimes we feel less. Like for instance, um, at the dentist, I think they say that we could feel more pain because the Novocaine is not as... We need more Novocaine. Redheads need more Novocaine. So then we're experiencing more pain because that Novocaine isn't hitting. And we'll also talk... Right. We'll also put in the podcast notes about the recent episode we just did with a dentist who is a redhead and talked about how it is a real thing. And he learned it, learned it in dentistry school, excuse me. So I really think that it is, it, it's really a phenomenon. I think it's like knowledge is power. So what we'll do is we'll just link everything in the notes. Um, so you guys have this, but we get asked this all the time. And we have so many articles on how to be a redhead.com. We have um, probably four to five podcast episodes dedicated to it, but we'll pop it in here so you can see it. But it Mm -hmm. just has to do with our genes and the way that our body... It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's really, really cool. Yeah. So the next question is actually from YouTube Shorts. So if you're listening, we are on YouTube. Yeah. Um, So it was from Allie and she asked us, should my red hair affect how I treat my skin? Should I treat it better than blondes and brunettes? Treat, treat their, their skin. skin. Sorry, I had to think about I had to pause and yeah. read the end of that question. I think this is an interesting question. So should my red hair affect how I treat my skin? It's not should it affect how I don't think that it, sh- it doesn't affect how you treat your skin. Um, but it if you have sensitive skin or other type of skin related issues that most redheads experience, such as hyperpigmentation, redness, rosacea, um, sensitivity it that is because of you being a redhead so yes your red hair does affect how you treat your skin not to say you know your blonde and brunette friends may have all of those type of skin characteristics as well it's just 
through all the experts and the dermatologists that we've spoken to, um, most redheads typically have those types of skin characteristics, issues, dilemmas, and that's where um, that's where it would differ. So it just honestly, it's such a broad question too because we don't know your skin type, Allie, but it could vary, you know? So if you do have sensitive skin, definitely check out all of our web... We have so many articles on our website about um, all skin-related topics. And then definitely contact your dermatologist, esthetician, and kind of have them do a consultation based off of your skin. Because I think... Right, Adrian, you would... Yeah. A lot of people don't know their skin type too. And yeah. that's like to me the root cause of if you're using the right products, you know, you might not even know that you have an oily T-zone and then you may be using a the wrong serum or moisturizer for your skin type if you're oily, for example. So, right. So I think just redhead, that's why we focus a lot of articles on our website about sensitivity because most redheads like you, Adrian, have such sensitive skin. Yeah. And I think too, this question is like the way it's worded, like, should I treat it better than blondes and brunettes? Yeah. Like, I don't think so. I think like everyone right, should be treating right. their skin. Me off. Yeah. Everyone should be treating their skin with a lot of care. But if you are a redhead, like probably extra care, like stuff I know, like our blonde and brunette friends, like when you talk about like just treating your skin well, like if that's wearing sunscreen some of those some of our friends like don't even wear sunscreen like obviously redheads need to wear sunscreen so i think you know you don't need to treat it better i think that you just need to be really aware of your skin type and know your skin and go the extra mile for your skin i think everyone's skin is worth it and people who are blonde and brunette too like they need to take care of their skin and i and all estheticians would say stuff to always wear sunscreen and take extra care of it, wear a hat, wear sunglasses, like take that extra care because it does pay off in the end. And I think, you know, yeah, if you see anyone stuff with great skin, like our aunt Kathleen, she passed away at a hundred years old, but like she didn't have yeah. one wrinkle and she used to say it was just genetics, but like you never saw her in the sun and like she really did take care of herself. Yeah, what do you think of this whole um this made me think of that anti-sunscreen influencers out there? That's insane. You're, 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 yeah, we actually did an article about, about it. Yeah, I'm I like know, I don't even know I if know. we should That's put it in the podcast notes, but we yeah, we 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 did an article on the site last week about it's actually um Kate Middleton brother. Yeah. Who started Yes, this, James Middleton. Yes. yes. He, he started it. He said yeah, he tweeted, I have it up. High levels of vitamin D make it almost impossible to develop an autoimmune disease. This would put pharmaceutical companies and the healthcare industry out of business. Think about it for a minute. They need you to believe that the sun is bad, end quote. Like, that's insane. That, I know, especially <laughs> when you know, like, melanoma is caused by the sun and, like, redheads are so, like, we're susceptible to melanoma without even being exposed to the sun. Yeah. So that's insane. That's insane that people are, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. But if you read the article at the very end, it says, consult with your dermatologist, consult with people who are real professionals yeah. and wear sunscreen. And there, if you're worried about, I mean, if I know some people are worried about, like, chemicals and sunscreen and stuff. I mean, there's so many, like, natural forms of sunscreen and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when you see people who look young and don't have melanoma, it's because they wore sunscreen. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So wear sunscreen. Yeah. <laughs> and take care of your skin. 
Yes. And the third question is from Catherine on Instagram. And she wrote us saying, I want to brighten my natural red hair without color saturating it. Advice. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing from that color saturating, she means dyeing. Or using a color depositing shampoo. Okay. I want to brighten my natural red hair without color saturating it. Yeah. So I'm thinking dye, color depositing. She doesn't want to use any dyes. Okay. So, I mean, I would use Finely Glossy, you know, not to plug in our own product, but, <laughs> you yeah, know, that's, I know. What, that that's, definitely... what, that's what we created it for. It's just basically a natural yeah. boost without color depositing. So, yeah, that's, that's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll put the Finely Glossy. But, yeah, people write us in all the time. They're like, why is it red? Why is it red? And we did a whole podcast episode the day of launch, which was June 16th. We did a whole podcast episode answering questions about Finely Glossy. And the purpose of Finely Glossy is very simple. Just the formula is clean and it's made to give redheads a natural boost without color depositing. It's clean, plant-based. And so that's our advice. But, you know, there's other things you can wear too. um, Or I'm sorry, not wear it. But there's other things that you can do to your red hair to give it, you know, natural uh, a natural boost. And um, we always recommend Finely Glossy. But you know, if you don't want to color saturate it, but you want to boost it, that's where it comes. That's where it's hard. So that's why we created the product. Yeah. yeah. So awesome podcast. Yeah. I think this episode was all about, you know, um, laser hair removal. And I hope that you guys learned so much because we did too. And like we said, maybe years down the road, we'll be having an episode about how redheads can get laser effectively. Yeah, right? cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So want to help us spread the news about the How to Be a Redhead brand in this podcast? Please give us a five-star review and tell your friend, redheads, and everyone else to subscribe. You can listen to this podcast directly on howtobearedhead.com, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to look at the podcast notes to find links with products mentioned and so much more. Rock it like a redhead. Rock it like a redhead. Rock it like a redhead.